Hello everyone, this is Eve with Rose Apple Sage. I am bringing to you Season 2, Episode 3 with Dallas Goodjoll. As we try to wrap our heads around what it means to be guided, we find out that sometimes we're guided by spirit which then manifests into a messenger as a person or an animal or nature or a song. It's not always going to be written on a board or a banner for you to read clearly. If you're listening, the messages will come forward to you in many different ways. And if you ask with your heart, and you believe that the answer will be given to you, then then anything is possible. Then the knowingness of truth about who you are and why you're here is up to you to find out. And we can journey with ourselves through prayer, through meditation, through drumming, through ceremony, Uh, through conversation with our elders or our children, we can find so much when we seek truth. And as we seek this truth, we are given knowledge. And that knowledge is then placed in our hands and we can receive it or we can reject it. And there are some people here that have a grand ability to receive knowledge, to contain the knowledge, and to share the knowledge with the masses as a service to share their lessons here now. Dallas has been one of those people in his life journey through many different vocations, but he has offered me an understanding that I didn't have prior. A patience in seeking direction and knowing that I had to put in the work, that he wasn't going to just wave his hands and magically make everything appear for me. He guided me on how to journey. And he also personalized it for me by asking me questions talking to my guides, seeing what he needed to see to share with me, to give me better direction understanding of what I already knew, but that was hidden from me. And I'm very grateful for Dallas. I am honored to present uh, his message to you through this podcast portal where he can be heard and introduced to those who don't know him. And the wisdom that he has can be shared. So with all of this introduction, it is my honor to to give you this conversation. In the beginning, both Dallas and I were not in our normal state of minds of meditative thought, peace, and calmness. We both had an erratic, busy human day where we had to race to the mic and we 
had to be late because we both said we needed to calm ourselves down. We needed to gather all the chaos of that day and be mindful and present with each other. And it was a beautiful way of reminding ourselves that we are still human, even on this quest for spirituality, that your life is going to be chaotic through your experiences. And sometimes they're beautiful and calm. And sometimes the day is full of love and lessons and light and movement. And if you make an appointment with somebody to have a conversation, don't expect it always to go as you think it will. Because my conversation with Dallas was revolved around an erratic flying bat that was stuck in my dark, charcoal laced black chimney. A metaphor for the darkness that is lurking inside all of us. And I had to lure out this bat with some cedar. I had to find a way for this bat to get out of my chimney, my hearth, my fire. I wanted to let it go and get it out before winter comes. I had to clear one final message, so it seems. And it was an analogy that I'll present to you through this podcast with the story that was told to you in the in that same moment. So it was fresh and fun for you to listen to. Uh, there is going to be um, a whirlwind of messages throughout this podcast. And I hope that there's a seed of truth in here that will guide you today and tomorrow and yesterday to, to give you reassurance that we're all here together as the collective, as the soldiers of truth, of light, of love, and that we are all humans being here now and that it's not always going to be a walk in the park or a shopping mall or a parade that we have to always acknowledge that there are going to be the times where we have to quest with our darkness and that through that darkness we appreciate the light and in that lightness we give back and we share and we perform our duties here to continue the lessons that are revolving through each of us, with each of us, as the human race. And this work isn't just through the shamans. This work is through every single individual, every plant, every animal, every insect, every micro macrocosm in this universe, we are all a collective intelligence that's working together on a network, hoping for balance. So don't you ever think that you can be the, the light always, that you will always be lit and fresh. For we are also humans, and that is the darkness. This is our lesson here 
This is our time to, to shine through the darkness of our physical bodies, of our humanness, and know that it is okay not to be perfect or to come off as being perfect. And as soon as we can identify everybody as being here and struggling in these bodies, then we can, can unite with understanding and forgiveness for each other and not be victimized by other people's shadow work and understanding that that is why we're here, to have experiences that will help us grow in these bodies and our soul unity to these bodies. It is an honor and a duty to be here and to do this work with you and to hear perspective through Dallas is refreshing. It is noble, it is ancient, and it is, it is timeless. So I pray that in this conversation that you will find a stillness in, in, your, in your day or even in the chaos. Maybe your day is just absolute chaos and you will find this conversation to be very soothing. So who knows where you are or what's happening as you listen to this, but know that we are all in this together. And uh, it's my honor to continually communicate with you through a audio and visual platform. Uh, thank you for listening to Rose Apple Sage, for following me, liking, subscribing to anything that I'm doing to assist me with knowing that you are listening and supporting the station. I will continue to be of service and to produce content that I feel is necessary, guided by spirit, and uh, what needs to be said, I hope that I will listen and share with you. With that said, blessings and joy, and enjoy this podcast with Dallas. How you doing? So far, it's been one of those days. It's been one of those months. Yeah. Culminating in like the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I had my niece and nephew over all day today and we were doing this like inventors class with the school. Yeah. It was a little bit chaotic and we're making these cupcakes and running around. I'm like, oh my God, it's four o'clock. Everybody get out. Yeah. <laughs> I have a meeting and then all this chaos and uproar happened and I'm like, I'm supposed to be calm. I have to talk to Dallas. Like, it's very, you know, peaceful. But today was just chaos. And then um, I got back and there was um, the sound in my chimney. Oh. And we didn't know if it was a bird or what it was. Mm -hmm. And I kept trying to like hit the chimney and get it out and like talk mm -hmm. to it. So I opened my, my fireplace door mm -hmm. and I went and grabbed a ballast cedar. And I yeah. thought, oh, I'll just put cedar in there because if he smells it he'll know that that's outside and yeah. it worked so I was upstairs and all of a sudden this enormous bat flies <laughs> and I was right in the closet with these doors like what <laughs> I was screaming my head off my heart was racing I'm like no and I'm like calling my dog and he's, my dog's just looking at me like, what do you want me to do? Like, I can't get a bat and I'm just screaming my head off. And I, I chase it downstairs and I've got like a laundry basket and, a, and my, um, and my, like my shawl. And I was, uh -huh. ah, I'm gonna like whip him and then I'm gonna catch him with the basket and I was just screaming. 
<laughs> and then I was going to myself, I was like, there's a reason for this bat. I think there's something about this mm -hmm. bat and this cave that you and I are supposed to figure out. We'll see what the bat energy is. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, yeah, they have great perception skills. Um, often they mean rebirth, but they can see. It's got to be something about the truth. Mm. and perceiving the truth. Interesting. So we'll okay. truth today. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I get a bird message almost every time I do a podcast or uh -huh. an interview. I'll have a bird yeah. hit my window or I'll have a hummingbird flyer or I'll have ravens or something. There's always a bird, but today with you, it was a bat. And it was bat. very, very funny because as <laughs> I'm swatting at this thing with my, with this is my ceremonial shawl. I wear this every time I do prayer and it's like, yeah. I had it. I was just about to go talk to you and I was gripping this and it's like, ah, <laughs> there's this bat. And I'm telling it with my fierceness, trying to be brave, like get out of my house, get out of yeah. my house. And I'm wafting it, go out the door. And I kept thinking like, this reminds me of spirit. It reminded mm -hmm. me of the dark forces that sometimes mm -hmm. we have to battle and they're just, they're in your face and they're erratic and they're mm -hmm. uh, intrusive. But I felt at that moment, it reminded me of how we both have been called to do that. Yeah. Just to clear space. Yeah. And yeah. to, yeah. So there was something clear about space. that. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where did it, did it leave out the door or what did? Or oh, did it was currently it? in my kitchen What's above all kitchen? the, above the cupcakes that I just, that I just cut. Okay. Yeah. Oh. I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Okay. Well, don't they have something to do with like the sonar, the, the sound? Um, yeah. I think those are, that's their perceptive skills. They can, that's how they fly. They have the, Okay. They have mm -hmm. other ways of, you know, I taught the energy medicine class and we talked a lot about other ways of knowing. Mm. And there are other realms, other dimensions. Um, things hold energy, they also hold knowledge, and they hold memory. But the bat has an, has an other way of knowing in this world. Mm. Yeah. What I'd like to start out with is a little bit about where you are, um, where you live, your tribe, and uh, what you do uh, for a living, but also what you do in your tribal community. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you. Um, I, I'm very happy to be here and I appreciate that, uh, that you reached out. And so I'm, I'm grateful and honored and appreciative to, to chat with you this evening. I'm uh, Yankton, Dakota, Sistan uh, Wapadan Bands and Clans. Now that's a uh, Prior to about 1848, that's that's a land base that went from Nebraska down through Colorado through the North Platte to hit the Continental Divide, went up the Rocky Mountain to Glacier National Park, and over uh, connected back up with uh, the Missouri River and went back over to uh, followed the Missouri River. So that was the land base of the Dakota slash Lakota people, and. Um, the seven council fires of the Lakota Nation. I'm Yankton, that's one of the council fires. Sistan Wapadan is the band and clan. I grew up on the Fort Peck Indian Reservation in northeastern Montana. So that large land base got shrunk to about 
a dozen or, or 18 smaller reservations throughout North South Dakota, Wyoming, well, not Wyoming really, um, some in Nebraska and then in Montana. Um, and I am a father and a son and an uncle, a grandfather, a, a neighbor, a friend. Um, and I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk with you. I've had, I was, I'm an environmental scientist. And I, I say that in the way, and my name's Dallas. So <laughs> often, you know, we introduce ourselves um, much differently. I, I'm bicultural, essentially. I understand the, the Western culture. I live in Western culture and I, I function in Western culture reasonably well. Um, but it's awkward and uncomfortable much of the time. And my other culture is Dakota. And in that culture, I feel very comfortable. Um, and so, but I have to, I have to kind of navigate both. And I feel like I'm kind of a bridge between the two and not everybody can be a bridge. Um, I grew up on the reservation. I worked for my tribe. Um, I say I'm an environmental scientist. Um, and that's generally how Western culture people introduce themselves. They introduce themselves. I'm Dallas Schedule. I'm an environmental scientist. I work for <laughs> Right. So we define ourselves that way. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's part of Western culture that feels awkward to me. In Dakota culture, often we introduce ourselves just that way. Yankton, Dakota, system in bands and clans, the lone dog family. We tell more about ourselves, who we're related to. Um, are, are we a father, are we a, are we a mother, are we an auntie, are we an uncle? We introduce ourselves in that way and towards the end, we'll say, oh, and they, my name's Dallas and we call, they call me Dallas or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what I do for a living, that comes last. Um, and so it's a little different to, uh, to be in a bicultural place and then have to shift. It's like shifting languages, right? Most of the treaties, the encroachment started in the you know the early 1800s, um, even even before that um, encroachment of you know pioneers and settlers and pilgrims. Um, but the treaties of the Plains Indians, which I am, um, that started in around 1848. That was one of our first treaties, Fort mm -hmm. Laramie Treaty, and then it was amended in 1868. Mm -hmm. um, but then, yeah, so then we say, oh, well, then I'm an environmental scientist. So I worked for my tribe as a scientist for a number of years. And then I moved to Idaho and was a scientist for the state of Idaho. Mm -hmm. I did that for about 14 years. And then I had several encore careers. Um, I was a lobbyist for environmental justice, um, racial justice, and human rights. Um, I was a life coach for six or seven years mm -hmm. um, doing life coaching. But kind of Jedi life coaching with some of my um, training from some of my mentors and, and elders um, doing energy medicine and, and life coaching in that, in that way. I did work construction. Um, I was a property manager. 
And then I became a teacher. So I was a K-12 special education teacher for about seven years. So I've had a number of encore careers since leaving the field of science. Uh, and uh, most recently I've been doing the property management and then I'm kind of uh, picking back up the life coaching and the organizational coaching. And, uh, yeah, how's that going? It's, it's going okay. I'm, I, uh, I gave the Martin Luther King address in 2020 to the College of Idaho and that was pretty pretty fascinating. Wow, that's Fun. great. I'm going to be working with the Treasure Valley Community College to do some anti-oppression work, um, some, some honoring diversity type work. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I've been teaching energy medicine classes and before the pandemic um, was doing that in person. And now I'm, um, I've, I've done a couple of those things on Zoom and I've, I've uh, the world's getting much smaller. I've reached out or, or I've, I've joined a circle of folks um, across the water in Europe. Right. And I've, I've done, uh, we were holding Friday meetings every Friday evening. It was, it was one o'clock here, but it was evening in, uh, in England. You know, I did a, a podcast with one of the friends that was in that group. And that, that podcast kind of fo focused on both trauma, both personal and collective mm -hmm. and, and generational for that matter. And, and you know, I, I can say that I have generational trauma. It's been passed down um, energetically. Uh, through through my DNA and through my Dakota DNA especially, um, but there's a there's a there's a dichotomy there because I'm both oppressed as a Dakota mm -hmm. and I also function in the in the Western world and and that's part of the oppressor the, the oppressor and I've been doing anti-oppression work for about 35 years on and off and. Uh, you know, in the beginning, in the last 30 years, until recently, I've probably been doing that to liberate myself from the oppression mm. as, a, as a person of color. And uh, when I was talking with my friend Matthew on the podcast, I said, but now, now the work is yours, mm -hmm. and uh, I support you in that, and, and you can be liberated from, from uh, your guilt and your fear and your uh, trauma from understanding that um, because of privilege uh, and because of a system that might have been transparent, you know, there's, there's harm that's been done. And so me from oppression, him from uh, his understanding his privilege and wanting to do his part to tr help transform the world into a more egalitarian world, um, we can come together and we can and we can look at that. That's beautiful. I think that that says a lot about who you are, um, that you're not just looking at this through your own lens. So you're looking at this through a global unity lens of uniting everybody's views and knowing that there is no wrong view and that we're all mm -hmm. born into this. You know, it's just how we work together now at this point to bring awareness and equality, right? I think that's... Yeah the big goal for um, this new time that we're in. So for you, um, on your stream of um, what's going on right now with protecting the water, the clean water, 
Um, what are, are you involved with that at all? Or is there anything going on nearby that's, that's happening? Well, in, in 2016 at Standing Rock Reservation in, in uh, North Dakota, there was a, you know, there was a large protest on the Dakota Access Pipeline uh, that the, the Standing Rock tribes and the Standing Rock people were very concerned and, and did not want the, the pipeline to go through or near their reservation and under the Missouri River, right near their, their, their reservation, their, their boundary, um, because of the water. Um, and that, you know, that got a lot of publicity and, and indigenous people from around the world uh, came and supported them and joined that movement. The Maoris, the uh, people from South America, Aborigines, they, the indigenous people, not just of North America, around the world are, are the folks who are gonna lead. Um, and frankly, I'm looking at it from a, even a bigger perspective, which is climate change. I mean, I feel like that is the indigenous folks around the world are gonna be leading the, the salvation of the two-legged species. Because um, we are heading for extinction um, under our current, our current trajectory and, and it's, it's self-imposed. We've been doing it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, but it's the indigenous people who are closest to the land and haven't been removed from, you know, they haven't propped themselves up on chairs enough and, and removed themselves from, from the earth enough to uh, have forgotten what, what matters. And so in the Western culture, we've, we've really removed ourselves from the earth far too much to understand uh, what we've really done. And now, now a lot of folks with, you know, with uh, Greta Thornburg and, and that have realized uh, the damage that's been done and the trajectory we're on. But it's, it's been the, and most recently, it's been in the past and most recently, recently the indigenous people. Um, you know, the Aborigines in Australia, when Australia was burning down, they were the ones who were really trying to protect it. In South America, when, South, when that parts of the rainforest were burning down, they were the ones trying to protect it. In North America, Standing Rock Reservation, indigenous people were trying to protect the water there. Mm. So, you know, we're on a, we're on kind of a, a doom and gloom path when we take a look at climate change and whether that's water, air, or whatever it happens to be. Um, but I do think it's time to get, to get back um, and be connected with the earth. You know, the two-legged species, when we get so far away and so far removed and so and not connected and not, and not have and don't have the understanding that all things are connected, um, we've caused a lot of damage with that mentality. And the earth, mother, mother earth, our grandmother is, um, you know, she is our mother earth, Maga'ina. And that's what, the, what we call it in Dakota, mm -hmm. our mother. Our, and when, when you turn on your mother and the two-legged species has kind of done that, you're, you become very conflicted, mm -hmm. but you become very confused. Nobody turns on their mother without a lot of internal turmoil and conflict and trauma and confusion and that's kind of where we are and hopefully we have enough time to rectify that um you know i i think of it in terms of the pain of the world is is sort of 
uh, and the, the, the pain and of the human experience, we can't avoid that. It's going to happen. Um, but we can choose how to suffer. So if we choose to reduce our carbon footprint as individuals, um, that, is, that is a good choice of suffering so that we can um, sustain ourselves actually and in, in, in reverse climate change. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know even where to start. And it, it seems like change is, is not uh, flowing as fast as I'd like it to. I think a lot of people, uh, and as you know, we get into these fear factors, it takes a huge crisis in order for us to change our ways or however we have to adjust. Something that came forward was something about Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I was talking to um, somebody and they said that there's a two week wait in order for you to go into New Mexico um, based because of the tribal, you know, rules. And I was really excited about that. And it make, and as you're talking, I was thinking about um, the sacred grounds. If there's going to be any type of uh, sacred grounds that will be protected outside of, of Western culture, that we can create a little bit of an invisible barrier to say that this is where we're going to operate because that's our right. There are tribal nations in the U.S. that are, well, they're, they're the most, un, you know, the, how do I say it? They're the most unique um, of the, you know, people of color or oppressed classes um, in the U.S. because they have a government-to-government relationship with the federal government and they're sovereign nations. And these sovereign nations um, with the pandemic uh, afoot, have definitely closed their borders. Many, 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 you know, there's 365 plus Indian reservations in the U.S. Um, many in South Dakota have said, no, we're, we're shutting down, um, maybe in New Mexico. I know there's many other reservations that have exercised their tribal and governmental sovereignty to protect their people. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the chagrin of the of the North Dakota governor, um, she can't do anything about it. It's, this is a sovereign nation, and they've decided that we're we're screening tourists at the border of a reservation, and uh, we're not exposing our our population to the pandemic any more than we you know than we possibly than we have to. And yeah. so we have a we have a. a sacred duty to our people on Pine Ridge and Standing Rock and uh, Rosebud to protect their people. So they are closing, they are closing the reservations and using their tribal sovereignty to do so. What's your advice for people who feel like they wanna be part of what the tribal people are doing, but we don't have, the correct association to to have protection if we want to adopt the way that might be changing is you know is there anything about you know united states or the unity of all races to come together to possibly form some type of a different alternative type of structure than the western world is is currently running on i i I always i feel like there's going to be some type of of uh, separation between a choice to live um, certain ways. And I think that 
that the the way that's going to work is through the the tribe so um yeah. yeah i mean i think i alluded to that globally um the indigenous folks are are rising up and they're protecting they're protecting their lands that they have you know 10 15,000 years worth of history um, with and wherever that is whatever continent that's on we're, we're watching indigenous people uh, claim their their uh, connection to the earth you know and I can only speak from my experience and and what what I've learned and and what my teachers have shared with me what my elders have shared with me is that you know this work is is done individually. Um, and we do a lot of ceremony in, in group as well, but, but the divine, your connection to the divine is yours. It, it, it's an individual thing. Um, and, and that's where the work needs to be done. Often we'll go into the dark light, wherever that happens to be. Um, you know, it could be a sweat lodge. It could be um, a, a healing ceremony. It could be, um whatever kind of a ceremony most of the healing that um i've experienced from my cultural teachings and my cultural participation occurs in the darkness it occurs in the dark light and similarly it occurs in darkness and we as individuals then need to go into our dark places we need to become acquainted with them we need to invite them to uh to participate to be less afraid to to uh open themselves up so so that is the way i think those individual places of of self-reflection and people going into their own internal world and taking a look at their dark places and getting to know them, getting acquainted with them. You know, facing the barking dogs in the basement, the scary dogs. Invite them with as much love and affection and compassion as you can to, um, to enter into your life as well. And so doing that individual work, going inside in the darkness, inside to the dark places within yourself is, with each individual doing that, um, that with, then with the intention of when we come out into the white light, um, that ceremony of the white light, we wanna do that the best we can. We wanna do that with a clear head, an open mind and an open heart. So we go into the dark places to heal. We go into the darkness of ourselves to heal and we come out ready to do the ceremony in the white light as best we can. And, and I think that that is, if we talk about collective trauma and healing collective trauma, that is the way we heal collective trauma, but that's also the way we, we move forward as a two-legged species. There, there's a tipping point at some point, you know, and I don't know what that tipping point is, but if, you know, if, you know, 20, 20 billion or, or 20 million people do that, that might be the tipping point. Um, what is it? Six, I don't know how many, I don't know what the population of the US is, but we have a lot of folks in the street. We have a mass people's movement right now. Um, and and they're, they're, those people 
that are in the street, they're there for a reason. They feel like it's part of their responsibility to do this internal work. Sure, they might be protesting, but hopefully they're also doing that internal work. Um, because in that respect, the genie's out of the bottle. They're, this is a racist country. It is a very oppressive country. That form of capitalism that this country uses is very violent um, and very oppressive and it's not sustainable. And so yes, will there emerge a different way, a better way? Um, perhaps, I hope so. I mean, that's my hope. Um, when I see this mass um, people's movement, um, that does give me hope because I feel like these, there's a lot of folks that are doing this internal work. Um, and and even, uh, you know, we talk about climate change or the degradation of water and air and the earth. And uh, we have, you know, the, those four original gifts, the degradation of all of those things. A lot of that's based on race too and, and this capitalist structure. Um, so I can, see, I can see some hope because I see um, people of color rising up and doing doing their work and and putting some pressure on uh, the white folks of this country and around the world to do their work. Like I said, that's when we hopefully can come together and and get some new ideas. Mm -hmm. Some get some, you know, we won't be able to sustain this form of capitalism. It's too brutal. It's too oppressive. Um, we won't be able to sustain ourselves as a two-legged species if we continue to uh, the, on the trajectory of climate change that we're in. And so I, th I think that this is a, a critical time. And I think, that it, I think that it could go either way. There's prophecies in the Dakota um, that have kind of predicted this. This is the time of chaos that we've kind of been waiting for. We've been hanging out. <laughs> Not a big surprise for most of my teachers and myself. Um, and sadly that it may get worse before it gets better, but this is, this is that time of chaos. And, and we have that opportunity to move to um, a world that has um, more peace than we've seen. It might happen in my kids' lifetimes, maybe maybe their kids' lifetimes. But, um, but we're in that time right now. And it, the responsibility of making that shift is ours. Right. <laughs> I feel that pressure right now to um, prepare my grounds and my kids for what's coming. And that seems to be my primary focus right now is to have a foundation set for them to and a base world in every in every way that I can show them and how they um, are part of this experience and that they but there is a there is a disconnect uh, with you know community and family the way that we've been working and the way we've been processing our time I feel like this last year has given me an opportunity to completely surrender to uh, what I was doing and and be forced to be home and and deal with the bats in my in my fireplace and to to deal with the um, shadow work that I hadn't dealt with before because I was distracted with everything else that was uh, keeping me busy. To me, there's so much joy on um, living off the land, um, you know, nurturing 
our bodies with understanding the food that we're eating and that we grow it or that we're participating in it and that the water could be from a well that the earth is, has you know given to us instead of this disgusting water that's coming out of my faucet. I think a lot of people are adjusting to um, the sanctity of the home that, and that's also our body. So I think that what you're saying about doing the work with ourselves is also the work in not just in our actions and our lifestyle, but you know, our, our choices on how we choose to operate in this time, to have gratitude, to be still and to navigate, navigate better. A couple of things came up for me in that, in what you were just saying. And I, and I think two of them are, are, I guess, kind of the important messages that, that I see is that we do have to get closer to the earth. Um, you know, we need, we need our food to come from three miles away rather than 300. We need, you know, we need our water to come from the earth and not come from a truck um, 200 miles away or 100 miles away. The closer, and that's what I'm talking about with, uh, you know, with, with, with Western culture, we've kind of removed ourselves from the earth we feel like, oh, it's ours to use and take advantage of, and it's providing all these things for us, so let's just take them um, without giving much back. And so, um, yeah, the more, I mean, I think that those are the types of, of lifestyle choices and changes that we can do, is to get closer to the earth, go to the farmer's market, you know, buy, buy that local, grow your own, um, that's the structural change I think that is going to help sustain us and the and the water and the earth. Um, and the other thing is 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 you know thinking about in the same way that we've removed ourselves from the earth, we've kind of made we've, we've in our minds as Western culture people have kind of thought, well, the earth is we've diminished its importance in our thought process and in the way we treat it. And so we really have diminished its importance. What we didn't realize or what we didn't recognize is we've diminished the importance of each other. And so that's the other thing is, is getting back to, not get, getting back to the earth, being closer. And like you said, with your kids, the best thing you can do for your kids is tell them they're important. Part of the reason why the people are in the streets right now doing the protesting about racism and oppression and, and misogyny and patriarchy is because they're telling the world that they're important and haven't felt important for you know hundreds of years, in this country at least. So th that's the second piece of this is that these we're protesting, we're talking about anti-racism, we're talking about tearing down cultural uh, or systemic institutional structures that oppress. Um, and we're doing so by saying we're important. And so telling your kids they're important is huge because that's, that's what hasn't been happening for the two-leggeds for a long time. We've removed ourselves from the earth, we've diminished its importance in our heads, um, and in our hearts, and, and we've done that with one another. So telling your neighbor, telling your kids, telling a stranger that they're important is I think a really key piece of that.
Mm-hmm. Um, there was a third thing that I thought of, but it, it, you know, there was, we had four gifts in the beginning, at least when, when we talk about creation stories and there, and there are stories. This is how we learn. We learn through storytelling. I think it's important to get back to storytelling. Um, that's, that's how we teach our kids um, is through story. And, and some of the stories are written down. Um, our stories weren't necessarily written down, they were passed down verbally. Um, but they're myths and they're archetypes. And, and in those stories, we have animal archetypes, which are real, and there's other ways of knowing in those animal archetypes. Um, the danger is, is if we you know, take them too literally. Some of the stories are written down in, in religious uh, journals. <laughs> if we take them too literal, then we, you know, we can... Uh, we can get ourselves in trouble. You know, I, I love Greek mythology um, because it's similar to Native American mythology. It goes back to a time when, when we, we could talk to one another. We could talk to the animals. We, the two-leggeds could talk to the four-leggeds and right. could talk to the things that swim and the things that have wings. And we all communicated. Um, <laughs> similar with Greek mythology. They all communicated. Right. And, and I love that. Um, but the, but these things also transcend time and space and they contain knowledge. They, they contain memory and they're willing to share that knowledge and that memory with us. And so, you know, making a plant important again in our lives, I think is a really huge thing. Um, is what, is, what is nature if not just the, the drive to, Lot, the drive to live. I mean, the plant is reaching for two things. It's reaching for light and air um, above ground. And below ground, it's reaching for the other two things. These are the four sacred mm. things, fire, air. And below ground, it's reaching for the other two original gifts, water and earth. And, and it's just, it's in that struggle um, constantly. And it's in that struggle because it wants to live. And so it's trying, to, it's trying to tell us that those are the four original gifts, earth, air, water, fire. And, and those are all, everything we need to survive comes from those four things. And so we need to make those four things important again, too. That's finding that balance, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I feel like a lot of people have definitely lost touch with uh, giving gratitude to the plants and the animals. We are um, introducing ourselves now to be here to help the world go and, and do what it's supposed to be doing. And I don't think that there's anything more that we can do than to be here sometimes mm-hmm. and, to, and to just say, well, I'm here and I'm going to do my work. And when I'm needed, I'm needed to possibly do good things because maybe that will affect the future karmically or it'll like with this thing that I'm doing, it builds that it builds another brick for mm-hmm. the next generation to put their brick into this, this, you know, pillar of mm-hmm. that that's going to be needed then. So we're all just kind of mm-hmm. coming in and putting our brick in and leaving and coming back and putting our brick in and leaving. And so we're just mm-hmm. keep getting higher and higher into our, into our um, awareness and, um, yeah, it's going to take time. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, we are creating that structure, scaffolding yeah. up. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I do, you know, I see it that way too. And I also see it as, you know, a lot of this ceremony we do that, that I've done as a Dakota, often we don't recognize time and space. And so um, in our ceremony, we're in ceremony with our ancestors. Um, we're in ceremony with people we haven't met yet in the future. Um, and so, you know, that we'll have, we'll have ceremony and there'll be, you know, there might be a, uh, an eagle feather in the ceremony or, uh, whatever, uh, you know, a coyote hide or something. Um, and and people that aren't familiar with native ceremony is oh that's wonderful that's such a nice representation of the eagle and that's not how we're looking at it it is the eagle we're in ceremony with the eagle it is all of the energy all of the, the all of the wisdom that that animal archetype can provide um, it, we have access to it. We have access to it in that ceremony by by honoring that eagle feather um, and so time and space in those ways don't exist um, and we've kind of come full circle to thinking about you know these changes um, ideas of wrongdoing and right doing I think one of my recent Facebook posts was a roomy uh, thing a roomy poem and it's like you know, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and r ideas of right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. Mm -hmm. um, the poem goes on to talk about, you know, that field is, it transcends time and space. It transcends the individual. And, um, and as individuals, we're important. And so whatever we do now is important um, for the future. And so, um, I guess that's a, just a, another way of confirming and agreeing with what you just said. And I'm talking to you about this and there's a spider, a huge spider that's just trying to run at me. There's this part of me that I'm still understanding and that is being the protector or being um, a light worker as they call them or being the one who has to tell the bat where to go or the darkness where to go and that you're not in the right spot you know, you need to go here, go mm -hmm. out the door, and that I shut these doors and doors representing like um, spaces of that they're not they're not allowed into. So I think that there is a this is also a time of clearing. This is a time of putting certain um, aspects of self, if whether it's a personal, these are my demons, and that's how I'm dealing with them. Now you're not going to be in this part of my journey. Now you're going to have to go and go back in the attic or um yeah you don't belong in my kitchen above the cupcakes that i just spent three hours cooking like there's a place for everything right yeah and the, the spider just crawling on me it was so intrusive yeah. and i was like spiders and bats it's cave dwellers it's that darkness of the of the the time of um creation and i think that creation comes in the dark place where the seed is in the earth and it's you know it's with the tree roots it's waiting to see the light and to come up. So um, I think 
that what I was getting at was knowing that I put a lot of pressure on myself for a while there to, to be of service in that way is to help people to get, you know, find truth or, you know, get out of their, their shadow work and rise above it. And, you know, clear, clear ghosts out of houses. And, and then it started becoming more of this, uh, it just started leveling out where it wasn't, it wasn't so, abrasive like that everything just kind of felt like it was all getting along mm-hmm. so i don't know if spiritually you're experiencing this but i'm feeling like there's definitely been a clearing and a mm-hmm. movement where uh the energy that was here is possibly clearing out a little bit and that there isn't so much not dark matter but maybe old residue from from you know, spirits that were lingering or needing to be here that they, they're allowed to go now, they're, they're, that that's not needed anymore. Do you mm-hmm. feel like there's a lightness in, in, the, in that on the other, on the realm of uh, just unnecessary, intrusive forces? Mm-hmm. I feel, it feels lighter to yeah. me. I feel lighter, but I, I could be wrong. I, you know, it, when you connect what's happening in in the u.s in this moment with uh with truth telling there's some liberation in that and that is that's again what if we're if we're not thinking of it in terms of of confined or bound by time and space there is going to be that liberation in um like i feel lighter i feel more at peace Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, you know, that I don't know what's going to happen next. And it's a little freaky <laughs> to wonder what's going to happen next. Yeah. But, um, but there is a more, I'm at peace with that um, more so than usual. And so mm-hmm. it is going to clear um, past generations and, and clearing, you know, past traumas collectively or individually is going to release uh and liberate those those dark entities that might be hanging around um they will be here um and uh but but maybe they're you know maybe there's a bigger majority of them that are set free yeah uh, and then in honoring so in honoring both ikdomi which is your spider and the bat mm. <laughs> You know, Iktomi is here for a reason. What Iktomi teaches us is all things are connected. Mm-hmm. Iktomi makes this web. And, and in Iktomi's world, he's, he and she, they have a web. And if one strand of that web is touched over here, they know it, they feel it, they know that it's connected. And so that's one of the lessons that we're to learn from them. Um, and in the bat that you experienced in your chimney before this call. Um, you know, maybe they're trying to tell us that, that these things that we're talking about, these are the things of truth. Um, all things are connected. We need to return closer to the earth. We need to feel important. We need to tell our family they're important. Um, we need to go into our own dark places do our internal work and our internal worlds um, so that we can be of service in the white light. 
mean, I think these are the things of truth. Uh, and if that being of service is to, you know, exercise demons, well, mm -hmm. then we'll exercise demons. There may be less of them to do, to exercise at this point, you know, mm -hmm. who knows. Um, so, but I think, I mean, I think that that's what I'm sensing from kind of where this is all going. You get, a, yeah. you're connected and you get different messages and um, there's a bat in your kitchen that you'll have to deal with when we get done talking. <laughs> Be free. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know if it has to do with it being intrusive in my space. Like this is my sacred space. This is my home. This is where I eat and I dwell. I don't need a thing flapping around and just flying at me intrusively you know i mean it's not so much the bat it's that it's in my home we boundaries are good yeah you know we if boundaries are fuzzy and uh, whether they're you know metaphysical boundaries or physical boundaries they're good you have to have to have those we don't like we don't need intrusions in either in either place yeah uh, we're going to run into stuff that that we don't want and yeah it's going to not always be fun <laughs> yeah it's yeah. okay to sit with discomfort even yeah i know you don't want to have discomfort in your home but yeah there's a lot of stuff happening in the world right now where we're all going to be we're all going to have to it'll be interesting to see the all of the different ways humans try to create a new relationship with discomfort because I think we're going to, mm. there's going to be more discomfort on the way. And yeah. Working on creating a good relationship with it. Is, is this, really is this just the calm before the storm? Is this just like the little, Hey, everybody get really quiet because there's a big storm coming, you know, everybody kind of bunkers down and there's that stillness and then it's just chaos. Mm -hmm. So yeah. It's hard to know. It's pretty chaotic. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that have been suffering for a long time. Um, that's true and it's you know it's, it's hard to know I do feel it'll like it'll get a little worse before it gets better but I don't know if there'll be you know the you know a big explosion of I think I think releasing the truth in the way that which it, that it's been released recently is uh, it's kind of a big deal and it's you know it's been perturbating for a long time and it kind of it kind of the top came off the top yeah. was kind of shut, blown off of it and um and so that that gives me some some sort of hope yeah it's just... the, and it's grassroots and it's the people in the streets and that's what gives me the hope yeah this me top, too the top down system is it's over it's not going to work mhm mm and the people at the top are afraid to death of that good so, yay oh, wow. yep changes be, now watch be, out build a relationship with that discomfort because it's it's on the, it's on the way yep <laughs> definitely well i'm i'm uh i'm so thankful for you and everything but um i wanted to to give you an opportunity um if there's any services that that you're offering or that you could suggest that people could tune into to offer support or community or, you know, breath work or, you know, I know you do some courses. Are you, are you still doing anything right now to? I, 
Yeah, I had I was getting ready to do another energy medicine course in March, and of course that got canceled okay. um, because of the pandemic. Um, I do take on individual clients and and do uh, you know sort of that Jedi life coaching, um, spiritual work, and um, there is there will be another podcast that I did, and it's going to come out on Emerge. Okay. Uh, I did, uh, I did the rough draft recording on my Facebook page that some of my friends watched. Um, and again, I, I, the, one, the one podcast that I did listen to on Emerge was with Thomas Hubel, and I found that that was really good because I do feel like, um, I do feel like healing is hugely important, and I think that we've all you know, experienced some sort of trauma. And he does a lot of work on eclectic Thomas Hubel. Yeah, I'm going to go listen to that. It's cool. And I'll put links on this when we post this too, so they can stay in touch with you if there's anybody that, that okay. wants your guidance further in, this, in these times. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was awesome talking to you. Yeah. As always. Good to talk yeah. to you. I'm glad we got to, uh, to chat. And yeah, me too. Usually it's on the phone. So this was good. I got this. We get to see I know. Face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We should do it again soon. Okay. Thank you so much for your time right. and um, you. I'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Okay. Right. Bye bye. Bye, Dallas.